Welcome to Attachment Theory in Action, a weekly podcast presented by the Knowledge Center at Chaddock. Our podcast is dedicated to therapists, social workers, counselors, and psychologists working with clients from an attachment-based perspective. Join host Karen Doyle Buckwalter for an insightful, informative, and inspiring conversation with leading attachment theory researchers and clinicians in the field. Today, Karen concludes her two-part discussion with Tennyson Wolf on creating a safe haven and secure base within the Circle Way model. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. This is your host, Karen Doyle Buckwalter, joining you from Shadok, and I am looking forward to our interview today with Tennyson Wolf. Let me tell you a little bit about Tennyson. Um, his a educational background includes a master's degree in organizational behavior and a bachelor's degree in psychology. He considers himself a facilitator, workshop leader, teacher, blogger, and a coach committed to improving the quality of collaboration and imagination needed in groups, teams, and organizations. To help us be in times such as these with more consciousness, kindness, and learning. He has worked over 20 years using various forms of participatory leadership. And in particular, today we are going to be talking to him about his work related to a process called the Circle Way. Uh, He also has worked um, in leadership and community development, and he identifies as a group process artist. And I can tell you from being in groups with Tennyson, he truly is an artist. He brings a level of connection and deep meaning to groups that he hosts in a way that I've not experienced before. He has hosted uh, processes at large conferences and diverse organizations, everything from hospitals to financial planning associations to universities to faith communities and more. And I encountered Tennyson in my own learning journey of the Circle Way. And as I've learned more and more about the Circle Way, the way it is used as a container, the way it creates safety for people. I have been constantly thinking in my mind of the overlap between attachment theory and the circle way method. And so since Tennyson is an expert in that area and I've experienced the beautiful processes he's been able to set up in groups, I invited him to be on the podcast. So um, he will be here with us in just a minute. Well, welcome back, everybody, to the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. And I'm here again with uh, Tennyson Wolf to continue our discussion and our interview. And he shared last time that he has a bit of a cough, so we will bear with him with that. But Tennyson, thanks for continuing this discussion. Thanks again, Karen. It's good to be here. Yeah. Yeah. So, one of the things that I really wanted to to highlight as we talk today um, was the idea of the three practices. I think that these practices are um, just profound. And one of the ways, you know, I know we talked uh, before we started recording and I was sharing about D.W. Winnicott being a person that we think about often in attachment 
discussions and how he talked about creating a holding environment and how we do that. And, you know, I really feel like the circle, whether we're talking the shape or the agreements or, or the three practices, we are creating a holding environment. And for some people that have maybe not even had that elsewhere. Um, but the three practices that I want to mention that I think are very important and striking mm -hmm. about circle, listen with attention, mm -hmm. speak with intention and contribute to the well-being of the group. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many times, well, actually every time, every time I mention those, people start like scribbling them down and mm -hmm. like, wow, I really need to, to think about that. I want to put that up on my wall. I want to mm -hmm. see if I can practice that with my children or my partner. So mm -hmm. they're profound, aren't they? Yeah, sure. I, I find them impactful. <laughs> So talk to me about a little bit about each of these okay. practices and what it means in, in the process of circle. Sure. Yeah, sure. So circle, as we've been talking, you know, is a container. Yes. Perhaps in this container, we might find more of the connection that we're seeking for. Yes. And instead of just, <clears throat> excuse me, Instead of just like rearranging our chairs and saying, well, I hope this works awesomely. <laughs> these practices are some of what guide that. And practices in, in their very naming, as you know, there are things that you don't just like do once and then check off your list and say, I got that. These are, these are you know, much longer than that. For some of us, they are lifelong practices. Yes. So it indicates things that we continue to learn and try and nuance, all of that. Having a few words like what you've named here, I think just helps people anchor themselves in a, mm. you know, okay, here's, here with, with, with the desire for all of those good things, all of that expanded consciousness and safety and belonging, etc. here's a few words that I can land in. So listen with attention is the first one that's named. And isn't it interesting, Karen, that uh, all of mo most of us, <laughs> we have the ability to listen. You know, are you a, can you listen? Ask that of people. And, and most, I'm guessing, are going to say yes. Mm -hmm. And most of us know, though, that there are layers to our listening. Mm. So listening with attention when you're sitting in a group of of let's pretend there's 12 people or the larger the group, even it requires more. We're giving ourselves into the unknown of what is being spoken. When people speak from their chairs, the rim, if you will, into the center of the circle and deposit their stories or their words or their questions or their angst, angsts or those kinds of things, um, it takes something for us to be able to listen to all of it, like not just listen where we are uh, planning out what we're going to say. Yes. Or not just listening for, oh, that person is just like me, or that person is so not like me, like, you know, amplifying both similarities and differences. So this listening with attention, I think, is like challenging most of us 
to hear not just the words, but what is underneath the words also. And then when it comes to a group, you know, if we're pretending that we've got 20 people in a group, listening to people speak, you know, sometimes we're listening for an hour before we get a chance to speak. Uh, that requires a certain relationship with our own interiority. Like we have to be able to sit with some swirling thoughts or some, you know, some challenging notions and not just jump in and crosstalk. Yes. Because one of the things that Circle is doing is interrupting that pattern of crosstalk. Yes. You know, all of us trying to jump in. Yes. So I, th I think this fundamental skill of listening is listening not only to the more explicit that's being spoken, but listening for the implicit that's being spoken and being willing to be moved by what is shared in a circle. <coughs> the second one about speaking with intention. Maybe I'll just, uh, just ground that in a story or an experience that stays close to me. Okay. I've been part of a men's group now for the last six or seven years and uh, have been able to go where we, we gather together for three days and primarily in circle, a group of 12 of us. And we have some very, very deep circles there. People sharing, you know, some of the significant um, excitements and challenges in their lives. And there's a way in which in that group of 12, you know, you're listening to what's being spoken and there's a tendency to want to like summarize, you know, by the time you, you get the talking piece to summarize everything that's been said, or maybe even respond to everything that's that each person has spoken or something about each person. And one of my friends that's in that group, I've loved it because I've heard him do it several times. He'll say that out loud. I feel like I want to speak to everything that has just been spoken. But my job is to speak my truth into the center. It's like casting a spoke into the center or into the hub that is the center. <coughs> our job is to speak our truth. And it isn't necessarily to sort out all of the what is my truth in relation to somebody else's truth and, and even some of the similarity and difference. We are depositing the honesty of our own expression into the center so that it too might inform, you know, or evolve what, what rests there. I know that sounds a little ethereal, but I often think of what is in the middle as a participant and by us speaking um, speaking our truth, speaking our intention with intentionality, we're just contributing to what resides in the middle there. Yes. Uh, it's not about presentation. I, 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 you know, it's not about performance. There is something about just your job is to speak as well as you can, and it will never be the all of it, but it can be the sum of it or the enough of it. Speak our truth into the middle and let that be enough. I think that's got something to do with the speaking with intention. And the last one, oh, it's a doozy. Contribute to the well-being of the group. This one is so different, again, than contemporary meeting culture where there's, like, there's so much winning or battling for resources or battling for time, for that matter. <coughs> when we reorient ourselves to the purpose of, tending to the whole of us 
attending to what is emerging among us because of our interaction, then that's part of that tending to the group, tending to the well-being of the group. It's like, you know, if, if I can, oh, in a family context, I often feel like I'm bringing in my family stories. There's one thing about tending to just one person. If I'm tending to just my mom, it's another thing to tend to the entire family that's gathered together. And, uh, you know, all of us are involved in those scales. But when, when our job is to tend to the whole, not just one person, then, you know, then that, that's a different orientation. So I think we're re- really trying to reclaim a wholeness, which is part of the reason that I think people feel a healthiness or a safety when they're in circle is they can, they can you know, they can sense that we're working on something bigger and not just something in one individual. That's yes. a little bit. Yes, yes. And I think also, um, I think it would be good and perhaps, you know, should have even brought this up before the three practices, but the agreements, because this is another way that we create safety and circle. Yeah. And it becomes a safe haven and place for yeah. people to feel safe. So could you share a little bit about the agreements? Yeah, totally. And, and I'm glad these are starting places for agreements within the circle way. There are four of them that we use quite commonly. I feel also aware that establishing agreements with people can mean a lot of things these days, everything from longer involved processes in which we seek a consensus, a more formal consensus with one another. And sometimes like guidelines and reminders of how we are together, or how we are to be together in a respectful way with one another. So the four often named up front as, <clears throat> as, you, as you are aware, uh, one of them is around keeping material confidential. So that's a, that's a big one, uh, of course. If we're going to invite people to uh, an added layer of honesty and vulnerability, then people need to know that their precious sharing or story isn't going to be plastered all over social media Mm -hmm. or isn't going to be, you know, just deposited in more public places. We need to be able to share our stories knowing that, these stories will be held in some confidence. So I often feel like, um, you know, the learning that, excuse me, the learning that shows up in circle from people's stories is very portable. There's so much that we can personalize and take with us, but there's a way in which um, uh, some stories and some sharing is meant to stay in the context that it was shared. Mm -hmm. I would never you know, I never learned to find myself like loving the flowers that somebody else has planted in their garden and feeling like I'm entitled to dig up their flowers and go take them to my garden. I might want to, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but there's a way that some things need to rest in the context that they were shared. So confidentiality is one of those. Um, there's a little bit about listening with curiosity and compassion. And uh, boy, this shows up a lot, right? You know, we, we have a, a fairly reactive tone in a lot of, a lot of places these days. Uh, I, I just keep invoking both a curiosity and compassion with ourselves 
as well as what's going on with others in what they share. Uh, it often feels to me like we, we need to ex extend a little more grace with one another because these other people that are in circles with us are as imperfect as we are and we might not get it all right. So a bit of curiosity and a bit of compassion, asking for what you need and offering, for, offering what you can. I love that. Yeah. What do you love about that one? Let me just check that <laughs> with you. Well, again, I think it's when you said something to, um, when you were speaking earlier, something to anchor people, um, mm -hmm. like, okay, I get that. Mm -hmm. And I love how it is both giving and receiving, mm -hmm. you know, um, mm -hmm. what you can offer, but also what you need. And I think sometimes we only have one part of that going on. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So, but what do you have to say about it? Yeah, well, I think there's a couple of things because the ask for what you need, um, the misinterpretation of that, if you will, is, is um, that's like, you know, like showing up at a restaurant and feeling like you can, you can demand anything you want. Right. I don't think that's the intended meaning of such an agreement here. No. But... There is something about, um, you know, being willing for any of us, being willing to make visible what we need so that the group might adapt or adjust to that together in the name of shared healthy tending. So, you know, when someone says something in a group that they have a particular need, sometimes as a, as a like host or facilitator of that, I feel like, well, that's great, but I, there's no way that I can provide that. This asking for what you need, I think, is like reorienting to helping the group tend to itself. And then the offering what you can part of that, whoa, you know, when a need is spoken, then, then others can join into that. It really shifts the responsibility, I think, Karen, from one person or two people having all of the responsibility to maybe we could find more ways for this group to tend to itself. Could you is, I don't want to put you on the spot, yeah, but no. can you think of an example that mm. has come up in a group that reminds you about this agreement? Um, yeah, sure. Yes. So in some of the groups that I've been in, it can get thick and it can get heavy and it can get em emotionally dense or just, you know, challenging. Intense. Let me stay with intense. And uh, though I'd like to think that I and my co-hosts are pretty skilled at planning breaks and spaciousness and stuff like that, there's times when um, people just need a rest. <laughs> yes. And so someone might say, you know, uh, I'm loving what's happening here and I really feel like we need to pause. We need to take a break. We need to stop talking you know, be in some non-word space. Okay, cool. And without needing to be in a big process with that, when it's spoken, and then maybe even doing a quick little sense or poll with the group, you know, I, I think what's being asked here is that we take a break. Can we have a show of thumbs, you know, and people can show their affirmation with a thumb up or, a, you know, like no with a, a thumbs down or that kind of stuff. Um, it, it's just like, you know, okay, cool. I, I, was, I didn't realize we needed a break right now, but given that the group has asked for this, let's take it. And then sometimes it's, um, you know, it's the simple things, the far less uh, emotional kind of stuff, like 
I need a bathroom break. <laughs> and we generally invite people to tend to themselves, but if one person needs it, maybe it's time for all of us to take a break so that we're not, again, just leaking out. Right. That's a little bit, I suppose. Yes. And in saying that, the fourth agreement that we're always talking about is practicing pause. Uh, we use bells, like you said, in the mindfulness of things often. And in this circle way tradition, it's like ring the bells once and that's an, there's an agreement to just everybody stop. Stop talking. Uh, just bring your attention in for a minute. Pause. And then ring the bell a second time to resume where we were. There's a value there based on, um, you know, the value of a pause or the value of just, just stopping and being, <clears throat> being in silence for a minute. Those are things that are part of it. And I like in the Circle Way tradition, uh, though there is a role um, that we define as guardian, who is, tends to be the person holding the bells or holding a bowl or some other gentle noisemaker that way. Um, in the circle way, in the spirit of shared responsibility, I invite anybody to ask for that bell. So anyone yes. in the circle could say, could you please ring the bell? And then we'll go through that little process of one bell, pause, second bell, resume, and then ask whoever asked for that bell to say, do you want to say a, a sentence or two about why you called for the bell? It, it just like shifts the orientation into we're all trying to do our best here to hold a good container. And, you know, I think that one in particular, although maybe many of these are a little hard to understand without experiencing them. Sure. Yeah. And I think when, someone calls for a bell. It's, it's just so interesting because sometimes it's at a moment where everyone thinks, of course, it's time to call for a bell. Um, and then at other times, it's a little surprising. And, sure. you know, it's, um, it's very meaningful um, mm. in the overall process. I think more, more than we can really express here, right? Yeah. It, it's, I think there's, sometimes I find that the learning becomes more apparent in just the obvious differences, Karen. Yes. So if I'm thinking of uh, such a common format of rows and tables in front of the room and stuff like that. Yes. <coughs> you're really just following the person at the front of the room. Yes. And that person might be brilliant. You know, that's, yes. that's not the point for me, but we're just following that person. Yes. The difference here with circle is... I think we are inviting attentiveness on everybody's part. Yes. Instead of just like, you know, being told when the coffee break is, we're inviting the group to be good noticers so that beyond the host, beyond the facilitator, beyond the guardian in this circumstance, uh, we tap into what is the, you know, the wisdom that's in the room to say, maybe it's time for a break. And, you know, like the subtitle of the book, A Leader in Every Chair. Yeah. That we all have some responsibility. Well, I'm aware that we're getting ready to wind down here, but there is one thing that you mentioned that that can be, it's not something in all circle practices mm -hmm. that we do, but you did mention the talking piece. Mm -hmm. And so I thought maybe we... Um, as one of our final things to share about, might talk about that a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that 
I've thought about with the talking piece and, and stuck out to me as I've read mm. different things about mm. using a talking piece is the idea, you know, we, some people are going to be real familiar, you know, whoever holds the talking piece, they get to talk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, but I think again, deepening that mm-hmm. to two, two levels that it is, again, I keep using the word profound, but perhaps even unusual in today's culture and society to really just have this space that is just for you right in this moment and, and not for anybody else. Like this space is being held for you as you hold that piece. But also I've been sharing in circles. I do. That's not just about the person holding the piece. It's also calling the attention of everyone to the person that has the piece. You know, I yeah. think we, we, we so much emphasize, well, you're holding it so you can talk. Okay. But right. no, that's also the sign for us that we are listening with attention. We yeah. are bringing our attention to that person. Yeah. So anyway, those are some things that have been in my mind. And, and um, so just talking piece, what, what about yeah, just, that? Just, just let's say beautiful. I think you're really hitting an important nuance, Karen. Uh, it is a, this is strong language, but let's go with it. Okay. When we're in circle, there's a way in which we who are not holding the talking piece are covenanting to give our full attention. Now that's a lot different than, well, it's not my turn. I think I'll check my phone. Yes. <laughs> so there's a promise there of listening and, and, you know, hearing uh, what's yes, real or true or whatever for the person speaking. Yes. And you're right. You know, we live in a lot of contexts where you're not, you're not afforded space to offer your voice. Talking piece interrupts all of that. I was with a group, um, um, well, it's just a, a little while ago, where uh, sent them off into circle. They were learning something, sent them off into circle. And when they came back, you know, with a bit of, ample time to do some stuff. They came back and said, Hey, how, how was that? Let's reflect out loud a little bit. And one of the comments by one of the people has stuck with me ever since then. When I know that I'm going to have a chance to speak, i.e. I will get to hold the talking piece. I don't feel like I have to interrupt so much. And if, if what we yes. interrupt is the interruptive pattern, Yes. Maybe we've done something helpful, you know, give people their place, give people their say, give people their witnessing that isn't, again, just town hall meeting, speech making kind of stuff. So I think you've really got it when you when you lean into the we're we're we're, we're contracting, we're covenanting to be thoughtful listeners when someone's yes. holding the talking piece. And I'll just say the sweetness of it. Uh, because talking stick, yep, sometimes that's it, and rattles or stones or things like that. <clears throat> I'll often invite people to bring bring an object of that's that's important to them, and some of those will become talking pieces, if you will. And uh, it's different. <coughs> I've noticed it's different to even just do a good round in the circle where there is no talking piece that's passed, no literal talking piece. Yes. 
figuratively versus when there is a literal piece, like a stone. It's one thing when you get a stone in your hand that's been held by the person next to you and just the, the tangibility of that, there's something in that even that, that, you know, wow, everybody in this circle touched this stone. It, it can be quite sweet. Yes. It's got some added, you know, tangibility to it that shows some of that connection with one. It does. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I guess um, in, in wrapping up here, you know, uh, uh, looking at why why are you talking about the circle way you know on on an attachment theory and action podcast i hope it's somewhat obvious now but you know dan Siegel has been talking about these four s's a lot related to attachment and they are um feeling safe seen being known and understood soothed (laughs) being helped to feel calm and good again and this is what develops security, mm-hmm. secure attachment, mm-hmm. security and secure attachment. And I really feel in circle, we create opportunity to feel safe, mm-hmm. seen, and soothed. And I think we create it in a way that mm-hmm. for some people, depending on your experience in interpersonal relationships and dyadic relationships, mm-hmm. might be a safer stepping stone mm-hmm. um, to establishing a secure relationship with a partner that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and as I said, I sort of tested this idea out with some at the group mm-hmm. in Ohio, you know, um, and folks were like, well, yeah, yeah. I feel like I could kind of practice being seen here and Mm -hmm. soothed here and feeling safe here. Mm -hmm. And that would help me in other relationships. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. I I love it that that's part of your focus, Karen, around attachment. And I feel like there's such overlap in what we're talking about. Um, So in the world that I see all of those things, the four S's, of course, those are important. Like we're human beings and we seek these things. Yes. And um, something about being in circle where, where we each have our space, but it isn't a spotlight. <laughs> like yes. we're each putting something into the middle. Yes. Somehow creates some of those conditions. I think in the story that I tell myself, we are experiencing or remembering even just a tiny snippet of what wholeness and belonging feels like. And that itself just amplifies the safety or it amplifies the soothing. It amplifies the, you know, feeling security or the seen part of that. I've been in so many circles that are not listed as like, are not, not advertised. They're not invited as um, therapy. And I'm not a therapist. You know, I'm not that person. I have interests, but I'm not that person. Yes. (coughs) And by the time we get to the end, and people are in a checkout way. They're kind of saying, well, you know, this, this kind of feels therapeutic. And I love it actually when people say that. Yes. Because though the circle isn't therapy, people will often feel like, a, like, like you know, the kind of feelings that go with that therapy. They feel a remembered wholeness. Yeah. And if we can do that in group settings, reclaim that as a more common 
and remembered experience amongst people from many walks of life. Whew. I think we've really contributed to some health in our society as a whole and in the individuals that, uh, you know, are seeking, seeking those four S's, all of those things. It's natural that we seek them. Mm. I wish I had my bells handy. We need a bell. We need a bell for that, Tennyson. Awesome. That's great. Well, thank you so much for being here and um, being on the podcast. Thank you for what you're doing in the world. Thank you for what you've taught me. I know there's lots of listeners who are like, I'm intrigued by this this guy mm. and what he's talking about. So mm. they need to know where to find you and how to look you up. And and I also want to be real clear, like this is just not some woo-woo thing, you know, with therapists. This is used in boardrooms. This is oh, yeah. Yeah. leadership development. So just kind of share a little bit of, sure. about your website, how people could find you, what you do for people before we yeah. uh, power down. Yeah, just thank you for all of that that you've affirmed in me and back at you. Karen, I love being in the learning and connection with you. And yes, this is for people in so many places. Wherever learning matters, I think circle is something that can help whenever we need to be in that deep learning. As far as a few connection points, my website is tennysonwolf.com. And then there's a couple others to pay attention to in relation to circle. Um, LearnTheCircleWay.com is one that I share with one of my teaching partners, Amanda Fenton. Yes. And another is uh, just the circleway.net website. Uh, that's a, I used to be on the board for that organization and there are oodles of resources there as well as some, you know, listing of events and sharing of newsletters and helpful tips and practices that go with the circle way. So that's another good one to, to get Snoopy and curious with. Yeah, I'm really just glad to spend the time with you today and yes. be in this connection and learning. Yes, yes. And I do um, want to also say that you and Amanda do an online course that is just yeah. fantastic. And that is an accessible way that mm -hmm. people could learn more about Circle. So again, thank you and goodbye for now, Tennyson, until Thanks, we see Karen. each other again. Yep, be well. Thank you for joining us for this edition of the Attachment Theory in Action podcast. Please follow our site, tkcchaddock.org, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or Podbean for future podcasts. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave a review and share with your professional network. For additional resources, training opportunities, and blogs, please log on to tkcchaddock.org. We hope you'll join us again as we continue to explore the world of adoption, trauma, and attachment theory.